Welcome to Ahsoka, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the journey between this galaxy and the next. My name is Matt, and join me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, Pete. And patience for victory will guarantee defeat. The Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek ignites our lightsabers for part seven, dreams and madness. Pete, making our way across these different galaxies, tomorrow we will be talking Lower Decks episode 405, and uh, certainly a, a very positive episode. Some has brought some conversation, nay, debate amongst the Star Trek community. Yes, and we will delve fully into that tomorrow. Gene's vision being thrown around, Matt. Uh, but you know what's not raging anymore is the Writers Guild of America strike. Yes, the uh, the settlement being made just in this past week, certainly since last we spoke on either podcast feed, uh, and writer after writer taking to social media saying that this is you know, in excess of what they would have hoped for, again, in, in the world of a compromise, right? You're never going to get 100% of what you want. But uh, the feeling is that they did not meet in the middle, that they met, you know, it, they met with a contract that heavily favors the writers and their perspectives and a common thread. Here's these five, six, eight points in the contract that the studio said were impossible, uh, you know, on May 2nd, that never were going to get touched. And every one of those has been largely addressed um two details my favorite one i was unaware that in a um a writing team situation uh not only do they split the fee but they split health care and that has now been resolved each member of a writing team now receives full benefits so <laughs> Uh, wow, uh, people can now, you know, get health care. So that's awesome. Um, two, uh, showrunner is now an official designation. So gone are the days for our Disney, for our Marvel, uh, less at Lucasfilm, of head writer. And they must now designate a showrunner. I don't know if the head writer game was um, informally being played before Marvel Studios entered the TV space. Certainly, that's where it started to get dropped left and right and center, and that's where entertainment publications were, you know, head writer in quotes, the Marvel term for, uh, you know, for showrunner and so on and so forth. And I think we all kind of on a certain level knew i mean look kevin feige has the, the the godfather of all the marvel studio stuff by and large that's been a positive but i think on a certain level it was like so why don't they just call them showrunners because he's the only one who can run things and so forth so again i don't know the nitty-gritty in the background if if perhaps this had been a long simmering issue but i feel like standing from the sidelines as an observer uh this is something that marvel Marvel done to the writers, and now the writers have gone back and said, this practice is over. Yeah, and uh was nice as we got together with some of our audience for our 10th anniversary uh, Google Meet the other night to be counting down uh, as the writers got their deal done. Uh, thanks again to everybody that attended that, and uh, let's get the actors done now. 
Absolutely. And Pete, it's not to linger on strike stuff too much, but it's interesting how for years all negotiations were held at the uh you know at the the studio designated spot and how it was the studio representative who starts all the meetings and everyone when you're listed in roll call you must say and this is true you must say good morning carol when your name is called um as soon as some of that was removed and the union sat down with studio heads work got done most of the work got done in three days and then it was two days of lawyers articulating that the actors will be meeting not at studio hq but at uh at an actor friendly location i think maybe the sag headquarters they'll be meeting with studio heads on monday so another possible vestige of the old way of doing things here is the representative for the widow studios who have need help um and maybe just employers and employees talking about these things hope is that the actors maybe by this time next week will have a deal in principle let's hope so in the interim, Matt, our Loki season two preview will hit on uh, Marvel Monday, this coming Monday, October 2nd, prior to the season two premiere that, like Ahsoka, is going to hit at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific on Thursday, October 5th. And that will podcast the following Marvel Monday, October 9th, until we have a slight change of schedule down the line yes pete with this upcoming week because we have we have two weeks here where dates are our dates are in flux so for all the people who enjoy getting us feedback here's the rundown we just worked this out off mic here officially so this upcoming week uh the week that loki releases we'll be doing ahsoka episode 108 on star wars saturday lower decks uh, the next episode on star trek sunday and then loki 201 on marvel monday so that's this upcoming week, the uh, 7th, 8th, 9th of October. Uh, looking past that, we're then going to shift to, we'll do the Ahsoka season wrap on uh, Friday, uh, Friday the 13th. We're going to release the next Lower Decks episode on Star Trek Saturdays. So that's going to move back a day. And Loki episode uh, 202 will be Marvel Sunday. And we're going to keep that Star Trek and Loki pattern for the rest of their seasons one further asterisk since that weekend of friday october 13th is also new york comic-con which we will be attending uh we're still gonna be releasing star trek saturday as just discussed and marvel sunday as just discussed we might be recording those a little early so keep an eye on social media if uh, you're looking to share feedback and so forth and uh, worst comes to worst we get your feedback you know we can incorporate that feedback the following week but uh, again, some flux there. I know we pride ourselves on a consistent schedule, but three shows go into two shows and New York Comic Con and so forth. Uh, again, the takeaway here, Star Wars Saturdays will disappear after Ahsoka's run. Uh, Star Trek Sundays will move to Star Trek Saturdays and Marvel Monday for Loki episode 201, then Marvel Sunday the following week for episode 202. Did I get all that correctly, Pete? You did. A busy time for us. While things winding down in a galaxy far, far away. Yes, Pete, this, the last, the last uh, voyage of the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, the installation hotel thing at Disney World, which I think was A, probably ill-fated just by construction interrupted during COVID, and then the sticker price of it wowing people away including you and me who had 
absolutely penciled in plans pending the mm -hmm. cost of it and pre-covid we were like whatever the cost is we will go gonna clear it with the wives gonna find a time matt and pete star wars adventure and then when that price came That's out worlds not talk about anything that happens ever um yeah uh really disappointed that the last voyage docks today i hope they figure out a way to repurpose and to get back to it i have not read or spoken to a person who has gone uh who did not enjoy it uh it becomes super fashionable to hate on it uh, I hate the era that it happens in, or I hate the characters, or yada, 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 okay? Uh, everybody that I've uh, seen come across who actually went um, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was expensive. Guess what? Entertainment, a 48-hour engagement, um, and there are actually some really great videos out there of, of people, like, walking uh, through the experience, some with hidden cameras, um, you know, really engaged, really enjoyed it. And, uh, there was constant activity if you, uh, you wanted to do it. So it's not as if you weren't getting the bang for your buck. Uh, but yeah, that, that last, uh, official expedition docking today september 30th and uh you know who knows what will come next of the uh the galactic star cruiser well from that adventure to this one let's chart a course of this episode on coruscant the seal of the chancellor's office sparkles as ships whoosh by and inside, General Harris and Dula faces senators after going rogue to attempt to help Ahsoka and Sabine. Senator Ziono chastises her for acting like she's still in a rebellion. Harris says she was protecting the people of the New Republic in the best way she knows how. Ziona asks if she protected the new republic by ignoring orders but she said she did so by ignoring him and even chancellor mon mothma allows herself the slightest smirk at the sick burn pete senator z ono sees no evidence of this child's fairy tale that hera's tang as uh, telling he's all but saying hashtag where's our grown-up star wars he's saying hashtag andor season two not this stuff with whales and light swords and so forth Pleh. down with this ziono says uh gideon's involvement in mandalorian season three is name checked not as proof of a larger vast conspiracy but rather somehow that's proof that there's isolated incidents oh and stop using imperial remnants as this negative term man says ziono um still it does seem increasingly as the scene unfolds that hera is backed into a corner where is the evidence that what she was doing was allowable under law and so forth uh then pete there's a familiar voice that delicious line here dave doesn't need to show any identification yes uh goldenrod himself uh learned later in the week 
Anthony Daniels in the suit on set. Uh, thought it was just a voice credit. Okay, as C-3PO enters, even Mon Mothma recognizing 3PO there on behalf of Senator Leia Organa asking to speak, presenting a data transcript that his owner hopes may resolve the matter. Ziono, of course, strongly objects, but 3PO adds the transcript, okay, um, shows that Leia personally sanctioned Hera's mission and uh, being unaware, Ziono had held a vote against it without her. Um, Ziono says the court cannot admit evidence of this kind from a mere droid, which Chopper chafes at, and Carson Teva even has to put a hand out in front of him lest he commit yet another war crime. And 3PO go goes on to say that Leia is willing to overlook this misstep but asks that Ziono address any further concern to her directly in her role as leader of the defense council. Game, set, match there. And Pete, I'm amused to think that in 1976, Anthony Daniels put on the C-3PO outfit for one last time. And then they made two more movies and somewhere in 1982, 1983, he put on the C-3PO suit for one last time. And then there were audiobooks in the 90s, which he voiced C-3PO for one last time. And then there were the prequels, in which he, you know, voiced in the first one and body in the next two for one last time. And here we are again, this episode shot in the last year, where Anthony Daniels has put on the suit again for one last time. It's just, what a delightful, as they were making this poorly regarded weirdo movie in the desert and behind the snickers of... Uh, of crew members in the UK and so forth in 1976. Who would have thought that Anthony Daniels would be putting on the suit as late as 2022 one last time? And who knows what the future holds, of course. Um, with this hearing now resolved, at least the public portion resolved, on the side, Hera and Mon Mothma reflect on this being a win, but a dodgy win. Uh, one clearly made possible only after the fact. But how real is the threat of Thrawn's return uh, in an episode where increasingly it's looking like we're not going to get this resolved next week? Uh, Harris suggests that they prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Uh, but I'd be preparing for the worst peaks. I think this is going to be impacting multiple storylines and multiple series for years to come. Part 7, Dreams and Madness, continues after the title card with Purgle continuing through hyperspace as Ahsoka practices her lightsaber forms, and a hologram of Anakin Skywalker tells her she will face more than just droids in the Clone Wars, like General Grievous, Asajj Ventress, mentioned for the first time in live action, and even Count Dooku. As her master, it's his responsibility to prepare her, so he tells her to practice the forms often, or at least more than he did. Yang enters to overhear. Anakin won't always be there to look out for her. If they get separated or something happens, he tells Ahsoka she needs to be able to make it on her own. 
He tells her not to be afraid and to remember what he taught her and trust her instincts. He adds that he knows she can succeed and she bows as the recording ends. Um, Ahsoka goes on to tell the gang that Anakin made 20 or more of those recordings, but that was his last. Huyang admits he never realized Anakin's thoughtfulness, and Ahsoka calls him a good master. Huyang also notes that they are nearing their journey's end as speed is decreasing. In the cockpit of the Jedi ship, uh, the plan is to find the enemy and therefore find Sabine. You see, Pete, Sabine left with the enemy. Ergo, vis-a-vis, find the enemy, find <laughs> Sabine. Uh, of course, the odds of doing this are astronomically terrible. What are the odds that these Purgle might go to the same spot as the uh, as the uh, the other as the ring ship, etc., etc., etc.? I always appreciate it when a narrative, which we are aware is constructed, and you know, in this fantasy sci-fi realm, we're we're never you know imagining. Oh, this is NYPD Blue. This this is almost reality. Uh, nonetheless, to say the odds of actually arriving where we're going to arrive, it's, it's it's near impossible. I love it when a show just acknowledges that mm-hmm. to maybe echo what the audience is saying. And now that we've said it's astronomically uh, terrible that they're going to do it, uh, the Purgle arrive. Our view remains largely inside the ship. Uh, of course, when we start to see the rocking of the the purgle hearing blaster fire the mouth opening seeing uh, pardon me not blaster fire but the the explosions of the mines uh, beat the astronomical odds have happened they've arrived at the same spot uh for these are the mines around the ship uh or pardon me around the planet which has the ship that brought our baddies and sabine because hashtag find the enemy find sabine ahsoka takes the ship out into a motion detecting minefield who Yang tells her to head down toward the planet where the field ends, but he jinxes them when he says the Purgle are providing cover when they jump away. Ahsoka performs some fancy flying to get them through, and they can see the Eye of Scion, which launches fighters. Ahsoka announces she's headed for the planet's debris field, the ring around it, but Hu Yang wouldn't recommend it because of its density. The ship weaves between massive bones, okay, later revealed to be a graveyard itself for the star whales, uh, which get in the way of at least one unlucky fighter. On Thrawn's Star Destroyer, we see more items being loaded in again. Guys, you might be living night troopers, you might be zombies, you might be magic powered. A little more pep in that step. Maybe we get that loaded in this episode, but it's not meant to be. We go inside the temple where Thrawn is told that the minefield has been triggered. Uh, and along with sensing the whales, they have also sensed a Jedi ship. Thrawn reads her file, shocked, shocked to find that her master was Anakin Skywalker. Uh, of course, you know, if you've read the new Thrawn trilogy, uh, you know that they've they've crossed paths before. Uh, but for Thrawn, it's time to control all the variables. Uh, Pete, one variable I saw online this week, and I wasn't even going to tweet a link to it because ignorance 
it might be bliss, but sure is embarrassing. There are some people who I think apparently genuinely feel that this brand new character of Thrawn is meant to slam Twitter overlord Elon Musk. How long <laughs> how long has this actor been? I know obviously the Thrawn character, 92, 93, somewhere in there with the Heir to the Empire books. How long has this guy been voicing uh, Thrawn? About seven or eight years. <laughs> so you paint the guy, the guy in blue paint he looks like a the actor in blue you pop a wig on him because you want that kind of look uh, i oh, missed okay. where elon musk has you know like a ridged forehead <laughs> but what whatever apparently he does i don't know maybe maybe that's proof he's super smart air quotes <laughs> i don't know uh but thrawn is really super smart by controlling all those variables, because Ahsoka will be unpredictable, dangerous, as was her master, they'll stay one step ahead. Huyang informs Ahsoka the fighters have broken off, and uh, a couple times in this episode, Matt, we quote Empire Strikes Back, that they'll get pulverized if they stay out there. Uh, Ahsoka sets the ship down on a giant bone and Huyang wonders how their arrival was anticipated. Ahsoka senses Thrawn was behind the attack and Huyang will scan for Sabine. On the planet, Ezra and Sabine carry on with the slow migration with the, the cute turtle crab people who I know have a name, but Pete will always be Noji. cute. It'll always be cute turtle crab people to me. Uh, they quickly recap some past events. The Emperor died. Well, that's what people say. Dave Filoni, I see what you did there. Having both the Emperor, having the Emperor both dead and able to potentially come back. Not even potentially. You know what I'm trying to say. This scene, Pete, is soaked with Filoni's love of these characters. Perhaps, perhaps at the mild distraction of the rest of the narrative. Uh, but we don't linger here too long. And looking on is Balin and Shin and their mercenaries for hire. Yes. Uh, interestingly noted uh, news to Ezra about Zeb training New Republic recruits uh, on top of, of course, Hera commanding a fleet um, and that Sabine had been taken on as Ahsoka's apprentice. But it's all very complicated, Matt. No less complicated at the Night Sisters temple, where they are summoned by Thrawn for their assistance uh, in finding Ahsoka in the Purgle graveyard, uh, they use their balls. Indeed, they do, Pete. Their golden balls, I believe, in heraldry. Heraldry, I think I said last week. They're called bisonets. Thanks, James Bond. Um, but yeah, they're using them to to search for Ahsoka in the Boneyards. Meanwhile, Pete. Ahsoka using the force to search for Sabine. It's a scene that's about searching for others, trying to make connections for love, for hate. Uh, we have Sabine listening to Ezra's uh, recent backstory. She feels the connection with Ahsoka. Uh, again, these parallel storylines, the witches locating Ahsoka, the coordinates given to, to Captain Enoch. He's now going to search for Ahsoka with his guns, and we see the ring ship firing on that spot. Ahsoka diving the ship out of the area, having indeed been flushed out. 
Yes, uh, and has Enoch send those fighters after them. The caravan stops with Balin and Shin in their path, who Sabine IDs as non-friends. Balin tells Shin to contact Thrawn, kill Sabine and Ezra, and take her place in the coming Empire. Uh, she asks if he'll help. He tells her that her ambition drives her in one direction and his path lies in another. Shin sends Ezra's coordinates. Balin gives her one parting lesson that impatience for victory will guarantee defeat. And the nomads ride by and Shin rides off with them. We see that from the Star Destroyer, gunships are dispatched towards Ezra and company, two, two squads of troopers aboard. Meanwhile, the mercenaries attack the pods. When one Noti pod is damaged, it's time to whoopa whoopa the wagons. Pete, that's <laughs> Noti speak for circle circle the wagons. Uh, in the sky, Ahsoka is overhead of the general area. Balin looks up. And I believe, Pete, to use another Star Wars quote, uh, this is where the party starts. It is. Uh, and then we have Shin approaching here, Ezra asking who she is, Sabine explaining that she's like him but lacks his sense of humor. Uh, and she has a lightsaber. The nomads close in and Sabine and Ezra head out from the safety of the pod where he tells his little buddy to lock himself and the Howler in before he joins Sabine in front of the caravan to make a stand. Ahsoka needs to get to the surface, but Huyang cannot land the Jedi shuttle. Not this thing again. She instructs him, once she's on the ground, to draw the fighters away. And she grabs her cloak and opens the hatch where Huyang retracts the stairs and she slides out to the surface but Balin is in her way surprised he descends from his howler and tells her he can't allow her to interfere she tells him she doesn't have time for it and he knows before igniting his saber uh, she lights both of hers and he attacks indeed his apparently his role now to prevent interference uh, I guess that was the big other path that he was being called for. I'm not so sure about that. And we'll look next segment. Regardless at the pods, Ezra doesn't need his lightsaber. He gave it away to Sabine, nor does he need a blaster. The force is his ally. That's right. I really like the, the story flourish here. Uh, to my knowledge, Pete, our first force martial artist, force uh, foo. foo. Indeed. I, it, it's just, it, it is a logical outgrowth of the story, i.e. him without a lightsaber. It's going to lead to a varied fight scene here where there's already one, two, three, four, five lightsabers in the story uh, at, at two different points on this grassy plane. We don't need another lightsaber. Uh, Shin joins the fight here, uh, searing off a piece of Ezra's hair in just a delightful moment of levity. Uh, I love the moment where he partially force blasts her lightsaber i would like to see what happens 
if there's more force blast or do you blow out the lightsaber or like whatever it is it was such a it was such a cool moment um i hope they return to to something like that sabine kylo ren do this and ray we've seen um in the kenobi series this went on more of a a newer idea uh in star wars but you know yeah the the force as you know something that could repel a blade you you could potentially you know catch it blunt it if you will um you know the the fight here a great mix of styles both elegant and rough um and the timing of it as well you know some people made points early on in the series oh when when shin and sabine fight it's not real coordinated yet there had been arguments during the prequels wow it's so over coordinated um a fight's a fight man some are prettier to look at than others and i appreciate how they mix up the styles in this presentation it's almost like pete like sometimes star wars fans like all the star wars that there is except for the star wars that there is and ditto sometimes to a lesser degree for star trek fans yeah um all i know is this is a this is a solid fight here i'd say it's a solid tv fight you know is it a game of thrones level is it you know a movie level um you know duel the fates no this is a wonderful fight for the seventh episode of this season of television um we have i think in terms of more elegant fighting styles we have balan and ahsoka's fight intercut with all of this uh i'm uh, impressed again to see how we're getting uh close-ups and action shots and medium shots um of both balan and ahsoka as performed by both actors i don't you know, I, I think there's there's been some degree of training and choreography that's gone on here. Um, frankly, befitting both of those characters versus Sabine, the worst Jedi ever, and Shin on her way up as a, you know, a, a faux Sith or, you know, as Pete continues to refer to, a great Jedi and things of that sort. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, regardless, we see that Balin and Ahsoka are at largely a stalemate until Huyang flies in uh firing flares or or chaff or something that provides enough distraction for Pete what my notes say are Ahsoka's rubbery digi double to ride away through an escrow <laughs> an extra layer of masking smoke to hide the fact that it's a rubbery digi double riding riding a, a wolf horse bat. I I found the motion of the creature less believable than the figure atop it but you're not wrong. This after Balin had told Ahsoka that she can't defeat him. Uh, interesting. Ezra gets up after having been pushed and knocked down against a pod there um, and tells his little friend he's fine, uh, telling him to get back in as the gunships carrying the night troopers land and they stream out along with a drone, which allows Thrawn to track the teams. Morgan is confident, but Thrawn observes their side is short without Balin and asks where he is. Sabine is not quite on Shin's level. 
as before, but Ezra bails her out, allowing her to use her flamethrower. And together again, they're encircled by the troopers, and Shin orders them to be destroyed. But Ezra tells them, wait, wait, we could talk, uh, or don't you want to take us back as prisoners? Shin orders them to fire, and Ahsoka streaks in on a howler to join them. She pushes Shin back. Huyang sees they're all back together and hopes they survive long enough, and he does too, to see the outcome. Sabine slashes and shoots troopers down as Ezra forces them and now has an Imperial blaster to shoot them, and Sabine takes out a trio with a wrist rocket. The impetus of the battle here clearly has shifted. Thrawn sees that on his hollow chessboard here. He recalls those who are left. Pete, we're not going to call it a retreat, even though I think the signal given to the troopers is retreat, retreat. Regardless, it's a tactical withdrawal. A Thrawn notes that there have been regrettable, but ultimately minor losses. Why is that? It has freed up the main objective, getting most of those cargo containers transferred to the ship, it will be completed uh, completed before too long. Uh, Thrawn notes that Ahsoka has wasted the greatest resource, which is time. Um, and again, I'll just say, you know, if maybe you could have given those uh, zombie troopers 5% more magic, maybe they would have loaded it up already. But it actually works out perfectly for the needs of this episode. The drone sounds a retreat and the troopers fall back. Shin is in shock and finds herself outnumbered now, three to one. Ahsoka tells her to surrender her saber and adds that she can help her, outstretching her hand. Shin seems conflicted, but runs off. Sabine goes to chase her, but Ahsoka waves her off. Shin rides off on her howler and Sabine tells Ahsoka that she thought she was dead but Ahsoka would not miss this reunion with Ezra who she embraces as Huyang brings the Jedi shuttle in there to hover and Ezra tells his noty buddy that these are friends friends all and the rest come out of their pods Ezra has a feeling he might be going home after all in the finale. Time to peer into the force for some theories. Matt, is Senator Ziono an imperial loyalist? I mean... He's so dripping with malice and evil and so forth. I have to imagine, yes, I have to imagine that we are going to get a Ziono scene, whether in this season, whether in the next season, whether in the season of another show, um, you know, where here's the Camtono of gold doubloons or that sort of thing. Um, Refresh my memory, Pete, his... Son, who's a character in the two-season Star Wars Resistance, mm-hmm. his son is a good and guy. He's a character in that as well. Okay. He is seen. It, it, okay, then is is older Ziono a good guy? Like, do we have? I mean, he's the father of the good guy. Um, 
he's he's protecting his son mixed up in the first order uh goings on um in those you know two seasons i i don't i don't know i i get a sense though that uh we're gonna see more of this character moving forward i would wholeheartedly agree and you know i'll I'll return to my analysis of him by saying um i think that given when thrawn appeared at the point in the season that he did uh, in last week's episode I think it was like, oh, this is a more than a one season storyline. Okay, we're starting. That's that's starting to dawn on all of us. Um, my feeling is there's no way things are wrapped up uh, with the next episode, even if you, we click on it. It's a seventy five minute minute or that sort of thing. Um, I continue as we get ready for Loki season two. I continue to think. You know how how amazing it was in the the mid credit scene for at the end of Loki season one. Loki will return in season two. I think we are going to get something like that next week. Whether it is as as pedestrian as Ahsoka will return in season two, whether it's a mid credit scene of you know like we we end with dun dun dun, Thrawn has returned, and then a mid credit scene of here I am, I'm just flying with my skeleton crew, and wait, what? <laughs> The planet of blah 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 is being attacked by Grand Admiral Thrawn. Cut to skeleton crew will arrive December twenty twenty three or January twenty twenty four, whatever it is. Um, I think. Look, I know Star Wars perpetually. There's always more story. Whether you're planning on doing something after Return of the Jedi or, or whatever it is, there's always you know like, and they've defeated the baddies, and work will be made to do the goodies or whatever it might be. It's not a close-ended universe ever, but I think that there's no way we go and stuff and things kind of continue in a timeline that you don't know about with the third greatest Star Wars villain of all time now back in the Star Wars galaxy. I think we're getting something concrete on screen to, to, to say, oh my goodness, it's only just begun. It's getting worse for our heroes. I can't wait for the adventure to continue on date and time and show. The pattern that has emerged is every other show presents us with a post-credit scene. Um, the last being Andor. Uh, we didn't have one for Mandalorian season three, so the expectation I think would would be to have one here for Ahsoka. <sighs> My concern about whether it would rep skeleton crew and and get that ready and particularly give us a date is that the town's been shut down for a couple months yes you have writers returning to work but the actors still aren't and i think it's a question of how you meet out the content that they have finished uh and when you do um so yeah i'm not sure uh, the same way I'm not sure, Matt, whether that was um, a familiar Mon Calamari next to Senator Ziono. Uh, who do you think it might be? I mean, that looked a lot like Admiral Akbar. He's wearing the uniform, seemed like him. I mean, obviously, we didn't get the voice and everything like that. A character who did meet his end in The Last Jedi, but uh, could 
be an emerging character here. We've brought 3PO back. Let's get more uh, Admiral Akbar. I mean, you know, Thrawn is going to return, and I'm sure he's going to set some things. It's a Senate subcommittee to see oversight of military operations without proper chain of command following. Doesn't right. quite have a, <laughs> a trap. Um, <laughs> um, you, you, you had my attention when you were saying, oh, maybe it's meant to be Admiral Akbar." You now really have me believing when you say next week, Senator Akbar might say, you know, I, I won't go. It's a trap. But he might say we're officially under attack or whatever it is. He can say alert the fleet or things of that sort. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because I feel like frequently, frequently when we discuss penultimate episodes of seasons for Star Wars and Marvel, frequently I'm saying Pete, there's a path where we get just a giant, satisfying platter of story. It's got sides. It's got a main. It's got bread on the side, the whole thing. And it's going to be 65 minutes long. And I know the length of this episode. You want to know it. Sure. Because, well, let, let me say more often than not, it's not that giant-sized episode. It tends to be more of a Star Trek thing um, for whatever reason. So, Pete, what's what's the length? 49 minutes. Which I feel like is in, I mean, that's many a, many a Star Wars TV finale has been that length and been just fine. Uh, to me, it's just so fascinating, particularly, again, not to hit the drum again of, you know, Loki season two podcast returning and all of that. But here Marvel is at a certain point, in my mind, possibly at an inflection point, like, Best case scenario, Loki season two needs to save the MCU, depending on where things are headed in the future. Meanwhile, Star Wars, I feel like next week's episode could light the few. Yes, we've had Kenobi taking place, you know, in a post prequel, but pre original, like essentially the, the, the Kenobi series, a prequel timeline. Yes, we've had Andor similarly, not quite prequel, but, you know, pre where we know where things are headed with the galactic politics and all that next week's episode may light the fuse of if you'll pardon the crudity of the term here the crudeness of the term like the star wars cinematic universe i know it's been tv and movie and all connected and so forth but like really lighting a fuse for the mandalorian ahsoka thrawn Boba Fett, like all of that, that whole portion, what we've been calling the Mandalorian portion of the timeline, really setting that on fire in the best sense possible, lighting that fuse to say, this is where major stuff is going on uh, across shows and so forth in a really substantial way. No pressure, season one, question mark, finale of Ahsoka. I think you uh, point to a lot of uh, fact uh, I'm going to point to Gideon being name-checked in this episode. The Imperial Remnant, obviously, Thrawn and his return, a concern about uniting them. Uh, people thinking that Gideon's out of the way and what we talked about when uh, we finished up the third season of The Mandalorian. There were clones in play here. And I still feel nobody gets rid of the smack-talking Gideon except Thrawn himself. 
I mean, come on, you've you've got to have some interplay between the two of them. And then, you know, people wanted uh, Sabine and Ahsoka to find Ezra. And yeah, that's a big reunion. And we're still hopeful of some other reunions. But Matt, the bad guy reunion of Thrawn and Captain Pelion is still out there. There's that. I mean, I would love nothing more than at some point next week's episode where Thrawn, Thrawn is wherever. He's on the bridge. He's in the control. He's wherever. And all of a sudden he hears footsteps. And as we see boots moving, you hear Ludwig Gordonson's, uh, you know, theme for Gideon that, you know, dun, 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 with like the drum machine and just that whole thing. And to have the two of them. Yeah. Like it would just be, you know, like, oh, you thought I was, I mean, my goodness, those two, those two actors, those two characters, um, that in and of itself, you know, and we will make a new empire or things of that sort. Um, there's that. Let's also kind of, I was going to say backtrack. It's, it's backtracking from the future. Um, assuming our hero, assuming our heroes, who sometimes are the most interesting part of the story, although not as I imagine Thrawn and uh, Gideon face to face and doing that, you know, like Roman Empire shake hands but shake them the mid-arm kind of thing um surely ahsoka sabine ezra hu yang are all going to get back to this galaxy to this to the main star wars galaxy do you see that pete happening by once again by magic purgle or do they somehow slip onto the ring ship do they somehow are they captured and brought back as part of thrawn's greater purpose your thoughts I did not expect a uh, New Republic galaxy, a prime galaxy, if you will, portion to this episode. And I think that portends for the finale. Um, somebody's got to go out there, right? Somebody in a ship that just got her fate resolved. So I think Hera will be the conveyance there and possibly more of her fleet to go and get our good guys back. I mean, they're not going to hitch a ride with Thrawn, right? I mean, maybe they get split up and, and one goes as a prisoner or a stowaway or what have you to, again, try to uh, blunt the uh, effect of his return and unite those uh, Imperial remnants um, his strategical mind, the organization remaining ahead of them, all of that. Um, but there's the continued question of his his resources and what he has on Peridia. We still do not know what is inside the cargo. Um, and the questionable way in which, all right, hey, it seems like he's hyper managing what he has, that he's all too conscious of what his limitations are. And I think that's when he's at his most dangerous, his his deadliest. Um, we have uh, one image that's been put out publicly remaining for this finale. It's of Thrawn stepping onto the bridge of the eye of Scion. 
that would make sense if it's going to conduct the chimera back to the uh, regular galaxy. Um, so it stands to reason that we'll have some kind of countdown for him to take off, Ahsoka and the others having lost the time. Do they get stranded there? And then there's the Balin factor of what is going on there. Yeah, particularly with Balin, there's there's multiple um, interior and exterior stories at play. He has said, "Oh, there's this other path for me," and so forth. Uh, in in A last new episode, beginning, which if your new beginning is, oh, I went to go fight Rosario Dawson on a different stage. Okay, then then the dialogue didn't quite support that. If you're going to do more with him, now I know everybody, you know, keenly and sadly aware of Ray Stevenson's passing, that's not his passing is not necessarily reflected in the content of the story, and right. I know that people uh, on social media have respectfully, I mean, first of all, I think we're all so appreciative of the performance that Ray Stevenson has been giving, and people have proposed if the character is going to continue, here's this actor or that actor. It'd be a great way to honor the character, to honor Ray Stevenson by having the character live on. Um, whether in story you say, oh, my face is different from the explosion or you just don't acknowledge it and people can forever be aware that the the, the guy unfortunately passed away and all of that. Um, the point being, I feel like there's more story potential for him versus oh, rats, I didn't catch the Jedi ship before it went up and hid in the last cargo container, which I know is not the sizing, isn't right, but I hid in the last cargo container of the Chimera before it docked with the Eye of Scion and they zooped past and zooped away, so now I'm just here by myself. The dialogue has not supported such a such a kind of low-key ending to the character, regardless of who might play him in the future. Well, clearly, Balin doesn't sense the power of the Night Witches. He's been around them. It's something else. Something, perhaps, that they're fleeing has been floated already. Um, we have seen Thrawn interact with something that could potentially be on Peridia uh, in Star Wars Rebels. Um, the Rebels had a base in the midpoint of that series on which uh, Kane and Jarrus and Ezra came into contact with a Bendu, with a large creature that was force sensitive. Is that what Balin is sensing that he's after? I mean, I feel like something like that is more fitting for the character by which I mean more in line with the evidence that we've gotten from him. Um, you know, so many people have noted the wistfulness of the performance and so forth. And I think that again, we kind of color our view of Balin and Ray Stevenson's performance by his death. But um, Ray Stevenson was not performing that with, with such knowledge, at least as far as I know. So I, I really do sense that there is that, added layer and for as much as i've teased pete and thrown around the term gray jedi i won't directly do so now but this notion that balin is not a sith that balin is not just a bad jedi that balin is not 
Balin really is in between the goodness, pure good and pure evil, um, to to have some sort of higher calling to the Force. Maybe even, you know, let's not forget for as much for as much uh, grief as George Lucas gets for things in the prequels, the notion that balance in the Force means that at the end of uh, you know at the end of the Clone Wars and so forth, there's you know one or two Siths. And that's kind of it, you know. The 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 the, the vast uh, increase in numbers of Jedi that's been wiped out too. That that was leading to an imbalance and all of that. The no the notion of some sort of higher calling, higher purpose to the Force uh, for Balin. I, I'm I'm attracted to that idea. Could he become a Bendu? Um, I mean, it would be in line with the idea of Force transformations and things of that sort. Could he become a Bendu? He could. Is that an ending that you keep after his passing, or do you, you know, or do you just say we're not going to change the? We're, we're happy with the text the way it was, regardless of of exterior forces. Um, at the end of the day, I would welcome more Balin, even if it's with another actor. I think that the, the character is strong enough uh, to do that. So obviously c-3po and we reach for anthony daniels 77 uh years of age now 76 when they filmed uh because uh, carrie fisher is no longer with us speculation though that she could pop up in the finale i i don't support a narrative path where like I'm not as a viewer, I'm not ready for um, bringing back dead actors at this point. I know that's what Disney has an eye towards. I know that's why they gave James Earl Jones very late in life gave him a whole pile of money to perpetually own his voice sound. Um, and I know that you know we're we're gonna reach that point probably sooner than we think. Certainly in our lifetime, Pete, it might not be the full on holodeck you know hey computer make casablanca but starring share and uh and, and you know the rock uh and boom it's immediately there uh, yeah I, I know we're headed to that at some point i'm not even being informed by the less than perfect cg that we got uh, at the end of rogue one i just think you know it's terrible that carrie fisher passed away it's terrible that her addiction played a role in that and I don't see the story side to saying, but we got her daughter and we did a bunch of dots on her face. And then we went through the computer and look, now we brought back Princess Leia. I just feel that it's in it's in bad taste. And for as much as I'm saying, you know, if the decision is made to recast Balin because of Ray Stevenson's passing, okay, Balin's been in, what, six of eight episodes or something like that. This great icon of 20th century film, Princess Leia, I don't think now is the right time to debut version 3.0 of de-aging and computer this and change and deep fake and so on. And so on. I don't think now, 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 now is not the right time in the right place. Not when this episode, this story, episode seven said to us, essentially, we know Carrie Fisher isn't here. We know we can't do a de-aging as we did with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Anthony Daniels is here. He's ageless once you put the mask on. 
He's here for Princess Leia. She's out there. C-3PO is on camera. I feel like that's the deal made with the audience this week. And I and I feel like you weaken it if next week you do debut Face Fake 5.0, now a Lucasfilm, now an Industrial Light and Magic add-on for gold platinum subscribers and things of that sort. Just let's have more C-3PO next week. How about that? I agree with you now. It's not the time, but it's it's eventually going to come. I think that eventually... If Thrawn gets back, the idea that Leia, that Luke, that Han sit this out is too big of a threat. And it might not be till the baloney movie, but I I think the story would demand they have to be involved. Even if it is just, I have to take, I, I can't fight in this war. I have to take my son on the space school bus to his space school at my brother. Um, you know, they they're going to need to somehow be involved to have it explained. Um, what I think is likelier is that we're going to get all our remaining rebels reunited in the finale. Zeb may take a break from training those recruits. We've got cars. If only Tabby. they already had a digital model for Zeb. So it wouldn't be a crush, a, <laughs> a crush for this, this season of TV and VFX work. There you go. Uh, so, that I would place far likelier. All sorts of rumors, Matt, we're still not done with Anakin. It was interesting that he brought up, you won't just fight droids. Here's the list of, uh, you know, non-droid characters, even though General Grievous, the droid general, um, and, uh, you know, Asajj Ventress. Um, Anakin never faced grievous until they faced each other in revenge of the sith ahsoka never faced count dooku they never met wow that's wait you're saying in all the animated adventures of Star never interacted she interacted with grievous she saved a bunch of uh padawans who were uh fell into hard times after they had gone to uh, get the um, the crystals for their lightsabers and then were around uh, Hondo Onaka um, and all of that. But uh, yeah, she has never interacted and he's dead. She never interacted with Count Dooku. Well, back to, back to the point that you made um, a, a moment ago, the question do we get more anakin it's been interesting that we've and correct me if i'm wrong but you know all the ways that we've gotten him um obviously in kenobi it was full-on flashback here we've gotten him in the world between worlds and we've yeah, he was him... in the vader suit as well yes 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 um let me this let, 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 let me start over again living or pardon me death <laughs> death anakin anakin post death um at this point in the timeline we have not seen uh we've only seen hayden christensen in the world between worlds and in hollow recordings that has not been as a force ghost minus the end of return of the jedi correct right is that coming is is my question it's it's an interesting idea <laughs> again so in now 49 minutes pete we'll, we'll get uh 
you know, Thrawn and Gideon Roman handshaking uh, <laughs> will get our heroes brought back to this galaxy, perhaps saved by Hera. Although I would like to circle back to how it is Hera brings them back and and, and how flexible the story is for that and, and so forth. But um, part of me does think if you've had Anakin in these many episodes, you can also include him as a force record uh, force recording as a recording as a force ghost as world between worlds as a was it There's a dream three episodes to this point and it was you know casting information that he was in this series i think he's in the finale if anything to kind of put a, a feeling of coda to ahsoka's relationship with her former master yeah um pete i'll even swing big i mean what if what if he's not the only force ghost who shows up looking on in in pride or whatever it might be what if we get what do we get yoda do we get obi-wan kenobi i think that's a, a bridge too far i think the relationship here would demand some way to cap it she's she's moved through the stages here she's she's reached acceptance with him he was a good master this is the last tape he made me the audience might feel like all right we've we've done that i think she completes her mission here and there's a moment where you know whether it's a wave or what have you you know she gets a she gets a goodbye with him and this might not be the thunderous climax to theories here but Bring, going back to Hera, perhaps being the force, no pun intended, that's, that brings Ahsoka and company back to this galaxy. Um, I feel like there's emotional resonance there, but, you know, Star Trek engineer Matt wants to say, but the Eye of Scion has this, you know, extraordinary propulsion system, an extraordinary map system and all of this. Um, can the ghost just do that because buttons or because force or because there's been a new map? Um, I I mean, there's there's story ways to do that. We we found a map on Coruscant. To Somehow have... a map has returned. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not gonna, you know, riff what has become by others a maligned line of dialogue. Even though it's it's not important to the story how Palpatine returned so much that he did return. Um, and, and that it was long time in the works and, and might, might be at least in part connected to what's going on on Peridia in terms of any kind of undead situation. Last thought from me, Pete, you think of the impact that JJ Abrams has had, not just on pop culture in the last 20 years, but certainly, and, you know, writing and directing, to Star Wars films and so forth, I can't help but notice that through these seven episodes, what is it that Thrawn and his zombie army are loading up into the Star Destroyer? It's not one mystery box, Pete. It's hundreds of mystery boxes, <laughs> each of which could have its own mystery box on the inside. And maybe, you know, who knows what could be in there? Uh, I, I think we all know what's in there. Um, Will... Shin Hati switch sides. Pete, it's there. 
you know, in this character of Shin, who is, you know, fifth or sixth or tenth banana sometimes in the story. Uh, but behind... super popular. <laughs> but super popular. Okay. And also, I, you know, I think that the actress is imbuing in Shin. You can see the conflict there, even though there's not the, here's where Shin sits at a table and says, my mom wanted me to be good and my dad wanted me to be bad. You know, like we haven't had we haven't had the, you know, um, kind of, you know, the, the Shin monologue, the Shin life monologue. It's all there behind the eyes. She had the opportunity to do so. And I think it would have been a cool moment. Maybe this is one of these, you know, she is called once by Ahsoka and she says no. And she is called twice by Ahsoka and says no. And a third time she does it. Or perhaps in the edit, they get rid of the middle time. And that's just on the second time she hears the call of good. Um I love the idea moving forward because, again, I think whether it's going to be Ahsoka Season 2, Thrawn will return in Skeleton Crew, you know, the Mandalorian shows up and says, but you got to see what's going over on in Planet H, whatever it might be. I think that um, the notion of Shin as kind of the... Shin as the rescued puppy that used to be used to be in a in a you know that was being trained to fight and now shin is like but wait ahsoka what does it mean to love what does it mean to be kind that's a story that i'm just really i'm really there for and and, um i i I just think the character the actor has us set up to just sit and go you know for her to sit and go i'm ready to mow them down with my lightsaber no 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 shin what if we talk to them first there's tons of story potential there says i we've never really seen that story i mean we had a saj ventress a knight sister double crossed by dooku went back with her own and then kind of became a, a mercenary and interacted with ahsoka toward the end of her story of uh ventress's story um that balin tells his apprentice to take her place in the coming empire makes me wonder too if she could be Thrawn's Vader if she could be the force behind him hmm see this is part of the great joy of us being at where we are at in the timeline because we kind of sort of know where things end up in 25 years but there's enough room for again depending on how this story goes whether it's live action comics novels you know whatever it is we could have, you know, Shin and Thrawn as a as a power danger couple for the next twenty years of story, but then they're tragically, you know, uh, shot down by Kylo Ren or something like that prior to the sequel trilogy. Um, while I'm rooting for the goodness in her, if the story, if Dave Filoni concludes, well, we already have Ahsoka on the redemption path. And we already have Sabine on the junior Jedi path. We already have Ezra back as, you know, kind of on the uh, welcome back to the galaxy path. Um, maybe we don't need Shin there. Then Shin as the new the new Vader to Thrawn's Emperor, that, that has a lot of potential as well. And then you look at the stuff with Ezra and Sabine. First off, love that Ezra... Uh, taught the Nodi how to make a slingshot, even though it wasn't a laser slingshot like he had. Uh, that's great. And they're scrappy like 
he was, you know, using the uh, the pot there at one point, anything they can get their hands on. But interesting that when Ahsoka reaches out via the Force to Sabine, that Ezra couldn't sense it. I would say, first and foremost, that serves the story. Now, if you want to say that's because Ahsoka wasn't doing a broad force broadcast, <laughs> she was instead doing a, a limited broadcast streaming only to, to <laughs> Sabine devices and all that. It's a better scene reincorporating the, the, the nascent master and the nascent apprentice in Ahsoka and Sabine, respectively. It's better that than, you know, and it's a better scene of like, as his voice trails off, Sabine, Sabine, are you okay? Like, it's just a better scene to do that versus like they both stop and do a Professor X two finger on the temple and say, but wait, she's out there. You know, it, it, it's a better scene the way it is. And I guess it's how the mumbo jumbo of the force works. What did our rebel friends have to say? To Twitter we go, Pete, uh, going from the bottom to the top. And look, Pete, I, I'm a believer in democracy, but also Twitter is not always the place to necessarily find it. Sometimes I kind of goose these answers a little bit. Uh, one rocket ship, no Leia, why not? 6.1% voted for that. There's no Leia because like she passed away like six years ago. Anyhow, two rockets, why not more Senate? That also got 6.1%. Pete, I would like to say, I know we're out of theories here, but I will just say a plea to the universe. Give me the the West Wing meets Star Wars. Like, I'm cool with that show. Like, Life on Coruscant, Art Gallery I mean, Intrigue. We kind of have it on Andor right now. We've had elements of it. I would love a whole show that's just like, like, oh man, Pete, do you think the spending omnibus will pass, will pass the, <laughs> the new Senate? Uh, next week, or do you think that Senator Ziono will will uh, you know meet up with uh, the senator from Alderaan and or, or whatever it might be, that kind of thing? Anyhow, three rockets, big boom, twenty one point two percent, and then four rockets, explosive, sixty six point seven percent. To the Twitter comments we go, Major Noel Gardner at Noel Camille says, Senator Ziona was definitely working with the Imperial Remnants. Teva should have let uh, Chopper at him. I let out a gasp and a smile when I heard C-3PO. Let's get a one shot of him and, and Hu Yang complaining. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> uh, there seems to be there, so much. There's another interaction we want, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then space is so cold. Oh, and then in the... And the ship, it's too warm. It, it, it'd be perfect. <laughs> um, Noel says, there seems to be so much left to cover in the finale. What is calling Balin? How will our heroes get home? Thrawn showed his master tactician skills. Will this season end in a cliffhanger? Will it continue in the Filoni-verse film? Will it be a trilogy? Thrawn's books came in threes like witches. That's just all wow. gold there, Pete. That's, that's, is. Wow. You could you could redip C three PO and all that gold there. Uh, we hear from uh, James the Sagacious at Big Killin on Twitter. He says this felt like a Rebels or Clones episode. Cool hero slash villain interactions where everyone gets out alive except random soldiers. Small nitpick: Ahsoka's landing looked awful. Needed a Deadpool superhero finish. I hope uh, Abeloth is calling Balin. Now, Pete, I of course know what Abeloth is. For people who don't like me, can you explain Abeloth? 
that is uh, the threat that had been uh, kind of re-jiggered from the uh, Yuvon Zong uh, in the original Thrawn books, the uh, the extra galactic threat. Got it. James goes on to say, in the Legends novels, there are New Republic Jedi that have no telekinesis abilities but are otherwise normal Force-using Jedi. Sabine's piloting and combat skills combined with her ability to sense and hear Ahsoka makes me think that she's got lots of midichlor... Never mind, says James. <laughs> um, I feel like that's another story thread, too, that may be resolved next week. Might not be just this idea of sabine's place as a you know kind of like jedi or not um more from james sagacious here at least in terms of how the unbroken twitter feeds us stuff uh, james says tons of basement dwellers big mad that thrawn couldn't find ezra but sabine could but when did thrawn say he was trying to find him he's been bait all along and never worth the effort thrawn wanted all of them out of the way because he can't control them uh, we hear from, I'll always call it Twitter, at KCLYLE1. Uh, great action this episode, even if the fight scenes at times seem a little off. Nice to see Ahsoka and Sabine back together, but no question as to why she willingly went with the enemy. Oh, that's a fair point. Let's let's circle back to that in a minute. Let me finish the comment here. C-3PO in the house. Cool way to get Leia, Leia into the story. Looking forward to seeing it all come together. Um, Pete, your thoughts there, that there's no... this vaunted discussion across multiple episodes did sabine go with the enemy on purpose uh unresolved in this episode okay so you could have had her tell ezra that i think the flow of the episode uh didn't dictate that you went there that you don't want to have a moment of breaking sabine and ahsoka's trust um so far could it come up in the finale? It certainly could. Um, why did she go willingly? We all know why she went willingly. She believed it was her only chance to find Ezra and Ahsoka was seemingly dead. Um, yeah. Okay. To Diana Bodenberg we go, who says, Good episode, but not as great as five and six. I feel like the story didn't progress much. Feeling a cliffhanger coming on next week. Loved getting C-3PO this week, and Chopper's come-at-me-bro moment was hilarious. <laughs> Feels like our uh, good guys aren't getting back to the galaxy next week, especially when Ezra said he couldn't wait to go home. I was like, uh-oh, I'm so happy no Purgle were hurt in the making of this episode. Uh, delicious diana they hit that minefield spit out ahsoka's ship and we're like nah bra we out <laughs> thrawn seems legitimately worried about ahsoka being padawan uh, anakin's padawan wonder if we get him to elaborate do you have any thoughts on if they will kill balan off next week or recast ray stevenson to continue the character's story bunch of great stuff there pete let's well, let's work backwards here i know we talked about ray stevenson and casting possibilities and so forth do you think the plan all along was to kill off Balin next week? I'm hoping the story's self-contained and that you don't need to recast the character. Um, at least as presented. Like I said, if if he's hunting for and joins with or becomes a Bendu or something like that, then naturally you can move in with a with another performer. Um you know, he's earned his spot in, in Star Wars here, and it's 
super unfortunate that he passed away, that he can't feel the love that, you know, fans that, that we're giving him now. And, and you hope that, um, you know, from what they have, that they can come to a, a, a fair point. Uh, to Dana's other question, when I saw Thrawn find out that Anakin Skywalker was Ahsoka's master, you know, again, I was immediately like, oh, because in the books, blah, blah, blah. I uh, in no way was thinking that um, Thrawn might be worried that Ahsoka has, you know, Anakin's prowess, Anakin's dark side, you know, whatever, whatever that might be that might be worrisome to Thrawn. So, again, I kind of saw it as like Thrawn sees the connection, therefore it's a positive. Do you see it possibly as being a negative to Thrawn? I don't. I think it's something, again, what he's always looking for is what he'll exploit. And uh, I, I think he will still attempt to use that beyond the strategy he employed in this episode of, oh, let's back off, put her on a path of her own choosing, and she'll ultimately come at us. To Steve Thurberge we go, who says Ezra is just a little, uh, a little too chill, not asking how to get back. You thought Ahsoka was dead. It's cool, whatevs. Oh, yeah, Thrawn <laughs> is still out there. No Senator Organa but her proxy. Uh, and KCLALE1 replies and says, I thought that too. Like, wouldn't he want to know every detail of how Ren got there, what the plan was? Pete, I have an answer for both of them. Uh, Ezra's just one of those millennials, man, that's like, hey, whatever. <laughs> the Emperor's dead. He, whatever, man. So I don't know if that's a legit answer, but that's that's one thought. Iman Isfandi has really, you know, captured the essence of Ezra but matured him at the same time. And, uh, you know, I, for one, look forward to a lot more of the character. We hear from Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983, who says Thrawn is a tactical genius. I can see why everyone is so afraid of him. It was also nice seeing C-3PO again. Lots of reunions in this episode. The finale next week is going to be epic. Uh, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, who... Has a, has a comment here. It's an acrostic poem, Pete. So these words are going to spell out Goldenrod and Thrawn. So here we go. Government officials listening to defending evidence from New Republic's Organodroid and <laughs> three heroes rally against wicked nemes nemeses. It's good stuff. Uh, we hear from Eric Pritchard at Coach underscore Pritch on the Twitter. Can't wait to see where the story goes. Ray has been a revelation, but they have to recast. Skull's story can't end next week. Felt so bad for Shin Hati too. Ahsoka training with the Hollow, amazing. And Amon as Ezra, perfect. Love the fantastic, that's uh, with a PH, blending of animated and live action Star Wars. Uh, Drive-By Wrestling Pod at Drive-By Pod says, I'm just sitting here trying to figure out where this story continues because we are clearly nowhere close to any resolution. Not that I'm anywhere close to wanting that yet. I just, uh, I'm just not sure how long I can wait for more Ahsoka once next week's episode ends. Pete, I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm still going to say perhaps the adventure continues this December or January in uh, Skeleton Crew. But Pete, the last tweet comes from Ben Larson. That's at Larson Ben. I've been thinking a lot about the cargo Thrawn has been loading. It occurs to me that the Yuzhan Vong in the original novels came from outside the known universe. They would make a good distraction for the New Republic while Thrawn gathers his fleet in secret. Pete, you referenced the Yuzhan Vong just before, so I guess great minds think alike. Them or whatever they may have become through the, you know, you've read a couple more of the books. 
um, from the, the newer group than I have. Uh, it can remain uh, vague, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think we have to learn in this finale at least something of the nature of what his ship is carrying beyond his need to get away from what he calls a forsaken place. To the email inbox we go, we hear from Steve Adams, who says, well, if you can't get Leia, then get her proxy. It was good to have C-3PO join the fun this week. Anakin showing up, plus a mention of Zeb, and the callbacks were coming hot and heavy this episode. Everybody should give Hera lessons in diplomacy. Well, maybe not. Oh, pardon me, somebody should. Uh, as always, Thrawn is virtually dictating what happens, even when his enemies are totally unaware of it. But I'm a little surprised at just how slow on the uptake Morgan is. She seems to have no concept of what Thrawn is doing. Am I crazy, or did I hear Vader's respirator in the background during Thrawn's final scene? It was nice to get a reference to the fall of Gideon on Mandalore to set the timeline a bit. I'm really curious now as to what happens to Skull. We have no real idea about what he's trying to achieve. I think he dies in the next episode and Shin gets left behind completely. I really don't know how the writers are going to land this, but they always have in each uh, of the other Star Wars shows. Like many viewers, I think this setting this is setting up a cliffhanger that will be, uh, will be picked up in another series, or hopefully it leads to season two of this show. Either way, I'm ready for more Star Wars. Until then, stay fantastic. Pete, that from Steve, and I'll repeat his question again. Did you hear Vader's respirator in Thrawn's final scene? I didn't, but, you know, we know he'll do everything he can to exploit the knowledge he has about his enemies. So, yeah, could he find a way to get out of Soka through Vader? As you said, their interaction in the books, there are a lot of people have pointed to that. It's it's a possibility. We hear from Jack, who says, Hi, Matt and Pete. This is probably my favorite episode of the series. It isn't without flaws, but the action was great, starting from the moment Ahsoka arrives in Paradia. Weaving between starfighter chase scenes to the lightsaber duel with Balin Skull to finally a faux happy ending where Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine are reunited. The only issue I had was Thrawn seemed more cowardly than cunning in his retreat, especially when they showed Hera telling Mon Mothma to prepare for the worst for Thrawn's return. I hope they give him another opportunity to show why he's the greatest strategist of the Empire uh, in the final episode. Stay fantastic. That from Jack in NYC. Last email, Pete, comes from Josephina, who says, uh, I object in the strongest terms. Haha, ha, this guy got shut down. Good to see C-3PO coming in with the plug from Senator Leia. I liked seeing Anakin as a hologram. Having him appear as a hologram meant they can make him look young without looking so fake because you know they had to de-age his face a bit. I think he did a good job aesthetically portraying the Clone Wars Anakin. When Thrawn was talking to Morgan about Ahsoka, he seemed pretty surprised to learn who her master was. I thought he'd know. That was a low blow when he said, Jedi are very good at hiding. They've been practicing that for years. Oh, burn, but here's a loophole. Thrawn needed the witches to help locate Ahsoka. Why couldn't he use them to find Ezra? Come to think of it, the witches weren't able to sense her coming when she was still in hyperspace inside a mouth. I wonder if the little snail-faced doo-doo bug-looking creatures Ezra's been <laughs> hanging out with throw off the witch's GPS on him. Um, I guess it's all possible. I don't understand why Balin wasn't going to assist Shin in their little battle. Was he testing her or abandoning his mission to go off and uh, self-respect? I don't know. Or did he do it on purpose so he can get Ahsoka alone? I don't think he knew she was coming. I liked when Ahsoka came to assist Sabine and Ezra. Then the adorable... 
snail doo-doo bugs all uh, celebrated. So cute. I like this episode. I can't believe we have one more left. I didn't know the same actor who voiced Thrawn also played him. I love how he speaks. It's so pillow talky. I hope next week's finale <laughs> doesn't leave us too much in the cliffhanger, but I'll leave you with and miss this reunion. Semper Fi, that from Josefina. So many people go up to Pedro Pascal and want him to do the Mandalorian's voice, and he's like, it's a it's a bedroom voice. It's it's not appropriate. It's so funny that uh we're saying that here of Thrawn. Um would you and, like a little more wine? <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Are you are you are you comfortable, Ahsoka Tano? <laughs> I love how it's not just Ahsoka or it's not just Tano. It's always Ahsoka Tano. Um, yeah, I, now now I feel like I, I need a bedroom conversation between uh, the Mandalorian and Thrawn, which at some point is bound to happen. Well, Pete, this entire journey between two galaxies this week could not have been made possible without those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek where there's a lot of goodies for those who pay doing a point out because somebody had brought it up last week we do put some freebies up there patreon does make you scroll through a couple of things where you could click to send some money our way but we do from time to time put freebies up there there was the link to our google meet sometimes we run polls through there and so forth so hopefully everybody checks out patreon.com slash fantastic geek yes everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content all sorts of levels to choose from it takes just a dollar a month to get you through that door can't contribute and as matt has said there are times we make things available to everyone on there you may just have to scroll down a little bit uh but you can get yourself over to apple podcast and leave us a rating or review which helps us just as much as monetary contributions and pete let's keep the star wars conversation going for either next saturday's star wars saturday season finale uh, or the season wrap that we will do the following week on Star Wars Friday the 13th. Mwahaha. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter and other places? You can find me on Twitter, on threads, and now on Blue Sky Social at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. -E 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 12,600. I'm not going to add up across three platforms, but uh, people can't be wrong, can they? Never, Pete. Uh, if Star Wars has taught us anything, hooray democracy. Um, while I'm personally on Twitter, is looking back lost, do reach out to the podcast. You can comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word like it today. On the Pop Culture Podcast, we are back tomorrow for Star Trek Sunday and previewing Loki on Marvel Monday, continuing to next week with Star Wars Saturday, Star Trek Sunday, and Marvel Monday before the great mid-month re-dating of things. Pete, looking forward to these conversations and uh, certainly... Great times are ahead to be talking three shows per weekend for the next two weeks, either in new episode or recap or preview or whatever it might be. With that, Pete, between these story universes, I will say adios and hop in the space whale and give you the final word. We have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Mm -hmm.